This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Right three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Huskers got it! Underdog and then one! Exclamation point! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Super Bowl Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. We are just, what, I don't know, 30 hours away from Super Bowl 57? Uh, I can do math real quick. Uh, 24, 3, 8, uh, 32 and a half. 32 and a half for the Bears fan cosplaying as an Eagles fan. I mean, look, if you want to call it, call whatever you want. I've watched every single game. I could name you 30 players on that team. I I could arguably, I might be able to name more players on the Eagles than I could on the Bears. I'm just, I'm just keeping this going because it's fun to get you all riled up in the mornings. I mean, I'm not. Look, when that's lose, a nice look. That's a nice. That's a nice throwback logo hat. I know. I wish I, the, live, I, 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 I wish I got the. I wish I got the black one. The black. The black one with the logo, just because it's a lot of green. You know, and it's hard to find a hard to find a good outfit with it. I, I love it. It's they, my favorite. It's one of my favorite. Hats. I'm sure the Eagles stuff will be discounted after they lose the Super Bowl tomorrow. Hey, I'm Cole Stukenholz. I really hope they that's don't. That's Mac McMaster. <laughs> I really hope they don't. We've got a good show for you. Jacob Bigelow is going to make his KLI and Husker Hour debut. Uh, he's going to join us to talk Husker hoops. He writes for Hushin to get to, and so. It was kind of fortuitous because if you remember earlier in the week, this week, the athletic director gave yeah. us a little bit of insight into what he may be thinking about the head Husker well, for men's basketball. He called it undeniable progress that undeniable he's made. progress. And and I've already I was already there. And I said it I said it quickly on the air on the air before we, we got cut off and we decided to talk about it this week because this conversation will be here until there's a decision, and there won't be a decision for a couple of months. Um, he has less talent this year than he did last year in terms of skill. Well, yeah, you, you had Bryce McGowan. You had Bryce McGowan's. And, and, even, and Trey McGowan's. And even Trey McGowan's and, and Alonzo Verge, and you had a lot of skilled basketball players, and you could argue that the talent this year was less than it was last year. But Fred with the less talent, has won more games. And he won more games from changing his philosophy, from changing his perspective on how to coach in the Big Ten. And the funny thing for me is is that I have more knowledge about Fred Hoiberg than I do about Nebraska basketball because I wasn't following Nebraska basketball until I became a student uh, of UNL. Fred Hoiberg coached my team, the Chicago Bulls, oh, yeah. for, for a couple of years before I, I even even thought about coming to the University of Nebraska. And it's a complete, watching this team play basketball, even from the Bulls day, was a complete 180. When he coached in the NBA, it was spread. It was fast. It was move the ball. There wasn't a lot of ball movement. It was more about the threats on the court opposed to the movement and the threats that are being created. That is the opposite. And I think a lot of people talk about Keisei Tominaga and his progress and how he's become such a better cutter. 
he's become such a better cutter because he's actually cutting this year. Like he's actually moving. There's actual off ball movement and it's a complete 180 from what they've done. And I think that you could see potential in what they're doing this year. You could see potential to, to say, Hey, they have less talent and they could get more talent and they can continue to win games. My question. So, so for me, and I don't know what if we want to have this convers, you know, where we want to go in this conversation. But to me, it's already a given that he's coming back next year, especially with the contract extension and how the contracts put together. They've already dumped so much money over the last ten years into buyouts and all that stuff. I, I think that if Trev is given a, given a reason, a compelling reason to keep Fred, he's going to do that. I think he's been given it. My question is, where's the line drawn? Where's the line in the sand? Because is the line in the sand progress or is it winning basketball? Because if next year they go, let's say hypothetically, they they got an okay schedule down the stretch. They play Wisconsin today. Um, they could win one game. They could win two games. So let's say for hypothetical sake, they win 13 games this year. You're still under 500. You still don't have any postseason. If they win 14 next year, and they continue with this defensive, you know, mindset, or they have more Big Ten wins next year. Is that progress, and is that enough for him to stay? I think that's kind of the base of my thought process. And then along with that is, if he, if that's if it's good, and if fifteen wins is good enough to to stick around, then do you not think that another coach could come in and bring in? 15 wins or, or a winning season. I just I just want to know what I, I don't I I'm a, I know where Trev is going if he keeps him because it's a completely different program than what it was a year ago and there's progress, but where okay, what's what's the trajectory from there? Cuz the guys already had four seasons. So, yeah. I'm I'm just it, you know, it's a little it's a little confusing. It's a little confusing. Yeah. I, so, when I look at this Nebraska basketball situation, and in evaluating how to handle Fred Hoiberg in the future, there are a few aspects, and you hit on some of them. There is, number one, they have won more games this season than he has yes. in any of his previous three. And and to your point on, is is progress what it looks like, or is progress wins? I mean, wins. Is, is, sure. is progress there? That's, as Trev Alberts would say, undeniable. Um, there's also the fact that he did a pretty significant change, a wholesale change to his philosophy, as you mentioned, with the Bulls and with Iowa State and with his first three years. He's he's trying to go, go, go. This year, completely different approach. Maybe not completely different, but oh, it's completely no, it, it's completely different. They, it they is are emphasizing different. emphasizing defense more than ever, uh, especially with the additions of Juwan Gary and Emmanuel Bandamel and how those two get after the ball on on defense. You've seen what's happened when they've both gone out. I don't know if that, I mean, Trev Alberts may not be coming out at this time with some with a statement like that if those injuries hadn't already happened. He may, I've said on this show many times, Trev Alberts does not strike me as the guy who wants to hire a new basketball coach. He's trying to figure out, okay, how how can I see anything positive? How can I, not not necessarily like trying to talk himself into it, but I don't think he wants to for partially money reasons, partially just logistics reasons and, and starting from scratch again. Like there's there's reasons why he doesn't want to do it. And and whether they're valid or not, that's up to you to decide. But 
when you are evaluating what Fred Hoiberg has done, he has done a pretty significant wholesale change. They did lose two of their five starters already. And so looking ahead on the schedule and seeing what the rest of the season may bring, yeah, there may be wins. And if there's wins, then Trev Alberts' undeniable progress is going to be viewed as even even more of a, hey, he said there was progress before, and now look at him. Sure. Also, if there is a little bit of a swoon here late in the season and they don't get to, uh, they th- maybe they don't escape those bottom four seeds and they have to play on Wednesday out in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. That would be unfortunate because that was kind of a base, like that's bottom line goal at this point for this program. Get out of those bottom four seeds. If they can't do that, you're still looking at it and saying, well, Trev said there was progress. There was progress there at the time. That was right after the Penn State win. That got them to 11 and 13. They were 4 and 9 in the Big Ten Conference. They lost that Michigan game on the road. That's the last one. They've got Wisconsin today, uh, was set with six more after that, and then Big Ten Tournament. You, that was the right time to strike, if you will, sure. for Trev Alberts. For the guy that doesn't want to make a new hire, the guy that doesn't want to have to fire his basketball coach, he has that built in excuse of. Manuel Bandamel, Juwan Gary, they're not available anymore. You can also make the argument that, hey, I came in, the last guy was not doing anything for this program. He hired Fred Hoiberg and, and went and went off to his ranch in Washington. <laughs> he can make that argument. And some people, maybe lots of people, will be with him on that. And And not that that's the right or wrong way to handle it, but you can sort of treat this as a, hey, he's starting a new philosophy here in 2022-2023. And the, the first three years happened. You, you, have to, you have to count those on his ledger. But you had some extenuating circumstances in them. You had the COVID year. You had flipping the roster, which is, I mean, that's partially, obviously, Fred Hoiberg's fault in trying to use the transfer portal, but that's what he was used to. I'm the and the other encouraging thing that we haven't touched on is look at who is contributing to the team right now. But Jamarcus Lawrence, okay, go ahead. True freshman, Denim Dawson, redshirt freshman, uh, and and Sam Hoiberg, who has been a real contributor in these last handful of games. It's it's not because he was one of the top five, six, seven guys. It's more by necessity, granted, but. There is young talent, high school recruited talent. Ramel Lloyd Jr. thought to be maybe one of the better players on this team, and he's redshirting still. So that's another aspect to this. You can start to see maybe that Fred Hoiberg is going to be able to get guys right at the beginning of their college careers instead of out of junior college, out of transfer portal. Those those are those are encouraging signs for this program as well because that's something that we've been missing even. During the Tim Miles era, you can really only point to a couple of guys like Glenn Watson and Isaiah Roby might be the only two that started and ended their college careers at Nebraska start to finish. So all of those things lining up. Undeniable progress. Sure. But that fits Trev Albert's narrative that I think he wants to sell to Husker fans because he does not want to have to move on from Fred Hoiberg this season. Okay, I, I, I don't understand, though. I don't I, you okay you keep you kept saying he doesn't want to move on he doesn't want to move on he doesn't want to hire a new coach 
but like, give me a reason why. Because if you if if we're talking, let's go back to Nebraska football. Nebraska football wasn't playing well, and the entire time it was, well, they have all the assets, they have the facilities, they have this, they have that. There's no reason why they shouldn't be good. Why is basketball just the black cat rather of they they have money? They have an incredible arena. They have great facilities. Why is the why is it this lame duck kind of attitude with oh I don't if if you want to look at results and you want to say, hey, Fred has changed his philosophy. He's won more games than he ever has. He's proven that, you know what, some of this young talent can play. He's got a younger team, whatever. There, there's there's some outlook for the future, and that's why we're going to keep him. That's fine. But if the attitude is, oh, I don't want to get a new coach because there's other reasons, and, and, and Fred has such a great pedigree, and, and maybe we're going to take a risk on a guy who maybe doesn't have as good as a resume as him. I don't I don't get that. I don't get the, the, the oh, I just don't want to hire a new coach because of optics if if there's a coach out there that is going to win more games for Nebraska basketball and frankly you can make if we went down the entire list you could probably make an argument that there are coaches who could get hired right now that could win more games with this program than Fred Hoiberg then go ahead and hire him now if it like you you know what I'm saying if your argument is undeniable progress stick with it that's cool I get it but if it's Oh, I just don't want to hire a basketball coach, which I get those vibes too. Then, then I just I don't understand that. It's I not, don't understand that. It's not simply that he doesn't want. To, I'm just that's part of what goes into his decision making sure, process. Sure. I don't think it should. I don't think it should just be. You know, maybe like, it's not. Maybe we're both. Re- maybe we, we're. Maybe, maybe yeah. We're missing ma- these maybe signals. we are. But but here's the thing. It's four seasons. Yeah. Of barely getting over 10 wins. We're celebrating 11 wins in a season. We're celebrating ce- is a strong word. Well, he's keeping his job. And we're calling it undeniable progress. Trev Alberts is calling it undeniable progress. Okay. Well, that's what it is. That's what it is. Well, hey, so, I look, you, you are saying that if you want to call it all those other things, then let's call it all those other things. Sure. Trev's not coming out and saying, no, I don't I know. Not hire a I know, coach. I know. I know that's just, that's just what we're assuming. And the other- and maybe I shouldn't get as fired up well, about no. it. No, no, but, it's fine. But if if... I my my thing about was about drawing the line in the sand because if next year it's 14 wins that he has to hit and getting out of the because they're uh, you talked about it they're most likely going to be in the Wednesday bracket they're probably going to get there right now they're four and ten they're behind Penn State who's five and eight right behind them is Wisconsin who's six and seven more than likely they need to win today they need to win today if yep. that's going to happen but regardless regardless of that if next year 14 wins and getting out of the bunny bracket in the big 10 big 10 tournament is good enough to keep his job I would say are you telling me that there's no one else who could do better because if there is hire him. I, I'm not going to argue that there's not anybody else out there that could do better, sure. because I'm sure there are. Here's the point. Next year's different. Next year has a different set of expectations to I get me. that. That's fine. That's, that's what makes that different. And to the point in comparing it to football, the football part of it is, yes, Fred Hoiberg was evaluating Scott Frost. He's evaluating Fred Hoiberg. It's not resources difference. It's not everybody cares more about football than basketball. The reason that they didn't keep Fro- Scott Frost was Scott Frost was a tire fire. And Fred Hoiberg sure. has his stuff together. Yeah, well, well, absolutely. Those, those, two, absolutely. those two men led the programs very, very differently. Very differently. 
And that's that's the fundamental difference it, there. It, and my, it's not because sure. it's not because there's a defeatist attitude around the program. It's not because we have to prioritize football over all else. It's it's because Fred Hoiberg is a coach that is running his program the right way, and, according to Trev Alberts. And look, and, and this is the last point because I I didn't mean I didn't mean to go on this yelling rant a little bit. I think Fred Hoiberg. Well, I wasn't I, I think Fred Hoiberg has done a really good job this year, and I think the job that he's done this year is is good enough to keep his job, and I think he should be commended for his adjustment to his coaching style because not a lot of coaches, in, in, in just not just basketball, but just in plenty of sports, would not have completely changed their philosophy in order to get to, yeah. to have the progress that he's had. I think he should be commended for that. My thing is, though... My problem is more with Trev in terms of if the at, the attitude should not be, oh, I, you know, other than progress and results, there, there shouldn't, nothing should keep a coach here other than that. And sure. if you want to give Fred a clean slate, give him a clean slate. But there's, like I said, what's, what's the expectation for next year? Because I think that's more important than anything, than any other question you're asking right now. Let's hope that Trev Alberts wrote down some mutually agreed upon metrics, just like uh, he did with Scott Frost. Well, I, you know, it, <laughs> they were all discussed. They were all discussed. I mean, yeah. so, and, you know, Fred, look, Fred's an absolute professional, and I think he runs yeah. the program really great, and he could not be more, more more welcoming to a lot of people. But they're at some point, you got to put the chips down and say, hey, you need a postseason. Hey, let's keep this conversation going right after this. Jacob Bigelow from Huskers Illustrated will join us. Uh, we got plenty more to get to, including uh, touching on the Matt Rule interview from earlier this week on LNK Today. It's all coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning. It's a big one for Husker Hoops. They got Wisconsin here at Pinnacle Bank Arena later on this afternoon. It's a 3 o'clock tip. You can hear pregame right here on KLIN starting at 2 o'clock. And uh, one of the gentlemen who will be there in attendance, no doubt, uh, covering this team for Huskers Illustrated is Jacob Bigelow. And Jacob joins us now here on the Husker Hour, making his debut. How are you, Jacob? I'm doing well, fellas. Top of the morning to you. Appreciate you having me on and giving me the time to talk a little ball with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I, we, we got into a little bit of a lively Fred Hoiberg discussion here before you came on. I'll, I'll just kind of start you there and, and let you run with it. It, it. Trev Albert says it's undeniable progress. Uh, we, we kind of hashed that out a little bit. What have you seen from Fred Hoiberg this year that that helps guide the decision making process as to whether or not you would have him back for year five? Um, I think first and foremost is just like the is definitely the, the style of play, the you know the uh, the identity that they've tried to establish, um, going away from you know more you know it's, it's substance over style for the first time in, in four in four years, um, and that's you know that's in part due to you know how the first couple years have gone. That's also in part due to. Uh, the players that they brought in this year compared to some of the players they brought in in the past and and the circumstances surrounding it. But, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, just the, the willingness to change and the the finally, I mean, a little, little overdue, but I guess the adaptability of realizing, hey, this is what we need to do to win games in the Big Ten and let's build a roster 
similar to more similar to Big Ten teams and play play more like the competition. What pieces of the shift in Fred Hoiberg's style do you do you think are are more more valuable to the future of his tenure at Nebraska? Is it is it getting that de- that defensive style more emphasized? Uh, is it is it more of an emphasis on bringing in? A, a high school player as opposed to more transfer portal guys, uh, which of those two factors would be bigger for Fred Hoiberg's future? Um, it's, that's an excellent question, actually, because those are two, I mean, the, the, you could make a case for, you could make a case for either really and truly. Um, I think, you know, you see, you see teams in the league this year that are, that are overperforming expectations like Northwestern and Rutgers. And those, and those schools all have four year guys that came in out of high school Program guys, development guys, um, and that's that's helped them all. That's helped those two schools, you know, vastly overachieve, you know, preseason expectations. They're usually expected to be down in the cellar, um, and they're they're you know toward the top of the league. But I, I, I right now I'd lean toward like the the emphasis on defense. Um, you know, that's that's you know every coaching cliche in the book about defense could be rattled off, but. I think especially in a league like the Big Ten Conference that's always super physical, slow, boring, you know, it, it, there's, you know, it's, 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 it, you know, I've got friends in the coaching ranks across the country and, and they call, they call the Big Ten old man basketball. And when you're, when you're playing, when you're, when you're playing old man basketball in, in college, uh, you got to emphasize defense first. And I, I'd lean toward that right now. Jacob, uh, want to thank you come on here on the Husker Hour on K-Lion Radio. Uh, by the way, I'll see you at the game today. I'll be there as well, so so we'll have a little, little chat. I got a quick question for you, though. We we're, were talking about next season expectations. And this year, at the end of the year, the Huskers are going to lose Derek Walker, Sam Griesel, Emmanuel Bandamel. Now they've already, you know, they've already lost Bandamel. But what what's your outlook for next season? And, and what are guys on this team now that you look as future pieces that will be important to the program over the next couple of years? Um, next year is really kind of a gray. It's That's a big gray area for me right now, like expectation wise. And I mean, you can't, you can't really project what this team will look like. You know, they're going to have to be, you know, losing guys like Greasel Walker, Bandamel, and who knows what there may be. I mean, I'm, I, have no indication on this. You never know if there's going to be any additional roster attrition following the season. But I mean, even in the unfortunate circumstances, you know, losing Gary and Vandemel for the year, we've kind of seen like trial by fire for Jamarcus Lawrence and Denham Dawson. Um, Jamarcus Lawrence, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'd buy plenty of Jamarcus Lawrence stock. Um, I, I really like what I've seen uh, from him. He he's got you know he was a highly he was highly regarded as a as a perimeter shooter coming out of New Jersey, um, and he you know I like I like the way I like the way he goes about his game. His he got a really good looking shot. He you know hustles hard, plays hard. Um, we got to hear from him in the the post game after the Penn State game, and that was kind of the first time we I'd really heard him heard him talk or you know anything, and and I, and I was really impressed. Um, and he admitted, you know, going the way things have gone for him, he doesn't feel like a freshman anymore because he's got plenty of experience, you know, starting coming off the bench and logging minutes in the Big Ten. Um, Dawson, you know, scoring for him has kind of been a bonus so far, but 
I mean, his athleticism, man, um, he kind of most he kind of most resembles what they lost. You know, losing Gary for the year just with his build and his tenacity and his athleticism. So, I mean, those two guys, you know, they're they're obviously still freshmen, and you know, freshmen are you know going to make freshman mistakes this year. But I think the experience they're getting, you know, due to the circumstances, is going to be super valuable for them going forward. Joined here on the K Line Husker Hour by Jacob Bigelow, who covers Husker hoops for the K for. Huskers Illustrated and uh, Jacob, describe for us the Casey Tomanaga experience and and what you think really goes through Fred Hoiberg's head sometimes when uh, when Casey is doing his thing out there. I mean, it, Fred. I mean, we've Fred has basically you know told us like, yeah, there's frustrating moments <laughs> like when he's, when he's when he's celebrating a three just hit and Andrew Funk from Penn State goes down to the other end and you know that's Casey's man and he just nails another wide open three and Casey's, you know, still trying to get back on D, but I mean, you can't, you can't deny, you know, the progress, the progress that he's made, like just rounding his game. I mean, he came in, you know, known as, known as a shooter, the, you know, the Japanese Steph Curry moniker, but <laughs> what he's, what he's doing off the ball right now has been, has been all the more impressive to me. Like him cutting, his cutting, his, his movement away from the ball. Um, you can definitely see like, you know, he, he was an Olympic three on three player and you can see kind of glimpses of, you know, what, what he does in three on three, uh, his ball handling, his, his finishing at the rim. I mean, he's, he, you know, he's he's more than just a shooter now. He's definitely a legitimately more than serviceable, you know, college basketball player. Um, you know, he's 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 not, you know, he's not going to go for. I mean, he's gone for thirty and twenty four in the last two games, which is which I never, you know, if you asked me at the start of the year, I would have I would have said you're joking if that's going to happen. <laughs> but I mean, it's been it's been like an EKG with him since he got here. But um, you know, if he he's he's shooting. Like, I saw some stat earlier this week that he's shooting like forty percent from twenty-five feet on threes, and that's just that's just wildly impressive. You know, whatever was for for any player, but um, I, it's I I've thoroughly enjoyed the Casey Tomanaga experience this season, and just the joy he plays the game with, the energy he has. Um, they're too, like it's 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 infectious and it's I think it's much needed for for the program and for this fan base. Absolutely, I I totally agree with the the thirty and twenty four statement. I would have honestly if you told me that at the end of the year I'd be saying you know he's only a junior like he's gonna be he's got two more years left. I wouldn't think I'd be saying that. But yeah, no, I mean he's he's been incredible, Jacob. I, I gotta ask, and this is kind of what our conversation before you came on was about with the undeniable progress and and you know more than likely it, all signs are kind of indicating that Fred is going to be back next year. But I think the bigger question for me is, what does he have to do next year in order to keep his job? And and for you, what do you think, what's the outlook for that? If, if you were to paint the picture of what he has to do to keep his job, what would that be? Uh, reaffirming his commitment to this, this uh, you know, this play style, this mantra, and this ideology, uh, showing that it's not just a one-year uh, quick fix um, you know, some, you, this, this, this team and the way they played and the way they're going about their business, it kind of feels like year one. Um, and it's, you know, year one and year four, you know, that's, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, but he's got, you know, he's got to reaffirm the commitment to this style of play. 
um, they're going to have to be absolutely nails in the in the transfer portal. And I know that the way they've gone about the portal in previous seasons, um, I mean, I, this this the group they brought in this year is far and away the best group they've brought in out of the portal. Uh, you know, it's in the Hoiberg era at Nebraska, they're going to have to they're going to have to try. I mean, they're not going to be able to replicate what they've gotten from from Walker. Greece. I mean, they're they're gonna have to. I mean, they're gonna have to be nails. Um, and obviously, we're we're not gonna know their available options in the portal until the end of the season. But um, he's just gonna have to reaffirm, like you know, he's he showed the willingness to adjust, and that this is how they they can win games in the league. How they can you know go to Omaha and shock Creighton and beat Iowa at home. And next year is kind of like, all right, you did that for a year. Show me. Show me, prove it, do it again. Uh, and it's you know it sounds sounds simple in in theory, but uh, you know it's it's you know it may still be a challenge just with the way the their roster has been constructed and the moves they're going to have to make. But we'll see. That's the beauty of college basketball. You can hear him on the Nebraska Shoot Around podcast with Jacob Padilla and read his stuff at Huskers Illustrated. Jacob Bigelow joining us here on the Husker Hour. One, one more before you go. Uh, I know you're a Chiefs fan. You're going to see Matt at the Husker game with that uh, green Eagles. Hat I won't. Probably. I won't wear the Eagles oh, hat at the game. No, okay. no, no. Okay. I no, I don't. What What are your What are your unbiased thoughts on the game tomorrow? Um, I have been like classic pessimistic Chiefs fan all week. Um, I, I, I am full blown. Like I, I've had flashbacks of, of Mahomes running for his life in that Tampa Super Bowl. um, you know, going up against that pass rush a couple years ago. Um, just classic, you know, pessimist, but you know, I guess, I guess more so of a, um, of a mixture of pessimism and quiet confidence, but I'm still excited for tomorrow. Uh, the most the most important text message I got this week was from my dad asking, "Am I smoking ribs? Am I smoking brisket? What are we doing?" Yeah. And I, you know, that was that was what I'm most excited for. Going to be a good good food day and hopefully a good football day tomorrow. And hopefully it doesn't uh, ruin my mood for all the next week. So you you guys are you guys are way both you and Cole are way too casual about just going to a Super Bowl. It's actually ridiculous. Like, like if we were if the Bears are going to a Super Bowl, I wouldn't be thinking about, you know, oh, you know, am I gonna have smoked brisket or ribs? I'd be thinking out where how many barf bags am I gonna have? Like you guys are both like, yeah, I'm Matt, I'm excited for the game. Matt, two <laughs> things. Number one, I'm wearing Mahomes socks right now. Number two, I won't be able to eat from like That's the, three o'clock yeah. until the game is over tomorrow. I had to eat at like nine thirty after J- the Bengals. J- game two J- weeks ago. Jacob's talking about the Super Bowl like it's a throw game <laughs> ra- a throwaway game in Rochester. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's become of me. My younger <laughs> my younger Chiefs fan self would be would be shocked with how the last five years have gone and he'd also be thinking what the hell are you doing being so casual about <laughs> yeah football? but that's no, great he, I, I i totally understand where you're coming from that's somewhere great. somewhere my younger self in his matt castle jersey <laughs> would hear this and say what 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 the hell man what are you doing <laughs> well, well well my thing too is i wish i were you i wish i had i wish i had the casual mindset i'd trade it in for a second that's funny. Well, as, as someone else who has a Mad Castle jersey in his closet, I salute you, sir. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we'll talk to you again later. Yep, appreciate the time, fellas. Have a good rest of the day and a good rest of the show. All right, thanks, Jacob. That's Jacob Bigelow. Uh, good stuff there. We're going to have him on again. That was great. Yeah. Great guy. I've talked to him before at, at games. He's awesome. He's an awesome talk to. Really, very knowledgeable. Yeah. Very knowledgeable, not only the game, but also the Huskers.
Absolutely. All right, we got more to get to. Uh, we're going to get into football right after this. Uh, we've also got, uh, boy, second halves for women's hoops. It's been a problem. We're going to discuss that. Turnovers. Uh, and, and hey, uh, if you missed it, a second-in-the-world mark from a Husker was uh, was done this week. We'll get to that as well when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Going to eight schools a day in the state of Nebraska is the bare minimum. It's We're not doing something special. We're not like, oh, wow, look how hard they work. We're just doing our jobs. <laughs> we're showing up and doing our jobs. Stopping at a high school and they them having a cup of coffee and the special, the special education, special needs students are giving away coffee and taking a picture with them, that's, that's called being hardworking. And the people of Nebraska work way harder than us. That that I know. I've been to, I've been to some small towns. I've been to the cities now. I've seen people, people in the state, you guys work hard. So, we're not going to celebrate ourselves for working hard. We're going to celebrate ourselves for having a purpose where we're trying to help young people have better lives. That's really that's really what's important. The working hard is because we want to win too. That was Matt Rule right here on KLIN earlier this week. Now, that was from the press conference. That was from his press conference? Yeah. That's fine. Still important, though. Still important. I assumed it was... No. Yeah, okay. Well, hey, that's Matt Rule. Well, you know, when he was talking about even you guys work hard, he was talking about me because I was in that audience. I was there. With your pen and paper. With my pen and paper. Your yellow paper. <laughs> my hey, yellow paper. So Matt Rule was on KLIN earlier he was. this week. He didn't say that specifically, but he did say lots he of things. He said a lot of great things. So one, I, I know the rebuild word got kind of highlighted out of that, and sure, whatever. He called it a rebuild. Um, one of the biggest takeaways that I had from his conversation with Jack and Caleb and Mark was the the kind of uh, the the man of the people vignette that he kind of painted for us come out of Pinnacle Bank Arena. Hey, I wanted to go to the basketball game because I wanted to watch the basketball game. <laughs> and I walked to my downtown apartment because that's where I live and I'm just going to walk there and I'm not going to have like a security escort or, you know, get shuttled over in black SUVs. He didn't say that part of it, but that's kind of what he implied. Like, sure. He's here. He's a, a, a member of the community, as as I think he said. Like, that is such a difference from the Scott Frost experience. If you, I mean, obviously Scott Frost was a player here. He knew Tom Osborne. He was uh, part of that 90s culture. He understood what it took to win a national championship, but he didn't really show any interest in like being a part of Lincoln. He wanted, like, he, he said it early on, like, don't talk about my kids. Don't take pictures of my kids. Like he was very, 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 very private about his personal life. And not that Matt Rule wants everybody in his house, but yeah. it's, it's just, uh, there's there's no... Scott Frost came in with some baggage from his time in Nebraska. He kind of had a love-hate relationship with the media that, that was based in his experiences as a player from 1996 and early 97 before he stomped on Washington and, and kind of won the the hearts and minds of everybody. There was baggage there, and that baggage does not exist for Matt Rule. And I would argue that that kind of stunted Frost's growth as a coach here, because he, 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 I think he leaned on that experience a little bit too much. He was too adversarial. Like Matt Rule plays the media like a draw. Like he, he, he knows how to say the right things, right? Like he's a very, very, very good speaker. 
and all of that helps with his relationship with the media and with the fans. Like he does that really well. That was not a strong suit of Scott Frost. Can he win? We'll see. Well, so but <laughs> that's but the thing. that's that was one of the things that I took away. Like he is a member of the community. He's just a guy here. He who happens to have the job as head football coach in the most important role of the state. Well, yeah, I was about to say he he's just a guy <laughs> who has the biggest role in 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 an entire state. Yeah. A couple of things. First off, one of my favorite quotes from him was he was like, "Whenever you you know, it's our job is just to." find a community and leave it better than what it was. And it, it really is. It's a breath of fresh air. It's a different mindset. It's something, it, it's a positive attitude that Husker fans can rally around. There's there's a little bit of pride that Matt Rule's an outsider. He's not from Nebraska. He didn't go to Nebraska. He didn't play at Nebraska. He doesn't have really any Nebraska connections. And I think that Nebraskans are proud that a quote-unquote outsider comes into this state, comes into this city in Lincoln and says, this is great. I love it. I love being here. I love the fan base. I love the, I love, you know, he's had nothing but incredible things to say about the positivity and living in Lincoln and wanting to be in Lincoln. It's, it's nice. People who live in Nebraska or who are from Nebraska love Nebraska. As an outsider myself, someone from Chicago that's what I've noticed about this state. You won't find, I've never found any people from a state who love their state more than Nebraskans. It's like, I've told a joke before that if someone from Nebraska were to go overseas, I imagine they wouldn't say, oh, I'm American. They would say, I'm Nebraskan, okay? Because <laughs> that's how much pride they have in where they live. And I think that having a coach who's not from here come into town Say how much he enjoys it. Say how much it's to, to be like, hey, I'm one of you guys. I can go to a game at PBA and walk back home like all of you are doing. You know, I can I can be around in the Haymarket like all of you are. You know, like he talked about on the interview, uh, you know, with with Jack and and um, uh, Caleb and Mark. That yeah, I live downtown. I live downtown like a lot of people do. Hank Matt McMaster, I live downtown. You know, I'm I'm probably I'm probably a couple blocks away from him. So I think that Husker fans enjoy that, and I think with him, uh, the difference between him and Frost is that Matt Rule is a guy who loves to coach football, and and not that. Well, no, see, I said that sentence wrong. They, I, I assume they both love to coach football, but Matt Rule's attitude isn't. I'm just here to coach the football team, and I feel like that kind of was what Scott Frost's attitude was. It didn't seem like Scott was into all of the other pageantry and all the other things and showing face and being public and being a part and, and, and showing that he is a part of that community up to the standard that rule is. And I think part of the the reason for that is because Frost grew up here, mm-hmm. not in Lincoln, but in Nebraska. He had a lot of experience with Nebraska, playing at Nebraska, winning a national championship in Nebraska. He knew the lay of the land. I don't think it excited him and I don't think it was an it looked at as an opportunity to him as much it is as it is to rule because I don't think Frost ever thought he had to integrate with himself into the Nebraskan community because he is Nebraskan. He looked at this as oh, this is just Nebraska. This is where I grew up. This I know what I'm doing. I'm just here to to win games, which we all know how that went. So I think that's that's the biggest difference between the two. Uh, another thing that I kind of caught towards in this in this interview very towards the end was once again the the Casey Thompson versus uh Jeff Sims mm-hmm. and once again it was 
Jeff Sims is an NFL prospect, and Casey had a really good year. And it's it's going to be incredibly interesting because I swear to you, Cole, I've never heard a coach in any sport talk about the way that Matt Rule talks about Jeff Sims and leaves him on the bench. So I I think in total confidence, whether he's the starter or whether he's not the starter, you're going to see some snaps and you're there are going to be some very interesting games where Jeff Sims is playing regardless if Casey Casey Thompson is also playing. I, I just like the fact that they have both of them on the roster. and I do too, yes. Hopefully yes. both of them go into the 2023 season on the roster and healthy, and both of them are capable of contributing because chances are, as we've seen in yeah. the last, I don't know how many years, Nebraska quarterbacks don't always play all 12 games of the season. They haven't. I, I, don't, I don't know the stat for sure. But I, rem- I, I remember that Caleb Henry, the sports director, K-Lion, tweeted out that the last time a quarterback played all 12 games for Nebraska, it was a guy that I'd never even heard about probably like eight or nine years ago. So, do you know? You could well, know. Well, I don't you know. It might be Tommy Armstrong 2015. I don't think it was. 2016, I would have known. Five started in 16. I know. I know. I know. I would have remembered Kellogg Tommy. started a game in 2015. I have no clue. I'm yeah. not, not going to know. Yeah. But, but. For me, and, and there have been other media media members around Lincoln, in particular uh, Steve Sipple, who mm. have kind of been on this Casey Thompson train, and and I'm yeah. and I'm right with him. And and Sip's argument is Casey Thompson has earned and deserves respect, and he should have respect from the season that he played mm. last year. And when it comes to spring practices and and comes to winning the job, there should be he shouldn't be disrespected or he should be looked at 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 a different way because of the work that he put in. I think that's a great way of putting it. I totally agree with it. I a million percent agree with it because how Casey Thompson played last year deserves some merit coming into this now quarterback battle that you could argue shouldn't really have been a thing, but you know, see player, get player. And and that's the right attitude that Matt Rule has with Jeff Simmons. Yeah. It'll be an interesting quarterback battle uh, that will not happen in the spring because Casey no. won't be healthy, no. but uh, maybe we'll hear a little bit in the summer and then uh, maybe, a, maybe a big battle in the fall. We'll see. Uh, we've got more to get to. Uh, Husker women's hoops and their second halves, their fourth quarters in particular. Uh, also, uh, we'll tell you who got invited to the Combine and maybe a snub as well uh, for maybe Nebraska football uh, and, and our unbiased Super Bowl picks coming up. Uh, that's all coming up here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping it going here on your Saturday morning. Uh, if you've missed any of the show, including Jacob Bigelow from Huskers Illustrated and Nebraska Shootaround Podcast, uh, you can head over to the podcast page, KLIN.com, or uh, find us on any of your podcast apps of choice. Uh, what, the women's basketball team, Matt, they had the uh, they had the Caitlin Clark experience a couple Saturdays ago, lost to Iowa. Close game. They kept, they were only uh, they only lost by four, uh, and Iowa's number 10 in the nation. Then, these are the headlines since then. Uh, Nebraska survives late fourth quarter rally against Michigan State. Nebraska survives at Northwestern, and Nebraska collapses against Illinois. These are uh, kind of the the top-line runs that happened to, to, to describe what happened there. Nebraska 
led by uh, as many as 21 points against Michigan State. Michigan State had a 12-0 run in the fourth quarter, got it down to two with 3.15 left, cut it to one at one point with 11 seconds left, uh, but then Nebraska was able to hold on and win. Then the the game against Northwestern, Northwestern forced 11 turnovers in the fourth quarter, uh, but Nebraska hit quite a few free throws uh, to come out with that win. Uh, they won 78-66, but it was a little bit hairy there as well. And then uh, the one this week against Illinois, uh, Nebraska gave up a 20 to nothing fourth quarter run well, between the third and fourth quarters uh, to the Illini. What is going on with Amy Williams squad in this uh, in these second halves? So it's 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 still a season that can end in the NCAA tournament, but they've they've got to figure this out. They can't let these late late game situations keep happening. Yeah, this is a situation where I wish we had Caleb Henry on because he's been we you know yeah. he's kind of been tag team. We, we've been tag team in the games, and he's done a lot more women's games, and I've been doing a lot of the men's games. But look, from what I've seen, I went to the Michigan State game. I've I've I covered the team more, and I watched. I definitely were was watching the team more when they were having success. But the, the number one thing that I'm finding is turnovers. Okay, last four games against Illinois, fourteen turnovers. Not terrible. 24 turnovers against Northwestern. 19 turnovers against Michigan State. You counted 11 in the fourth quarter. I was at that game. That was tough to watch. 11 in the fourth quarter against Northwestern. Or against Northwestern? Yep. Okay. Well, there was a lot of turnovers in the fourth quarter against Michigan State as well. I mean, that was crazy. 12 against Iowa. 59 turnovers last four games. My pen and paper here. Able to do some quick math because I'm stubborn. I don't like to use a calculator. There you go. 14.75 turnovers a game over the last four games. Yikes. That's a lot. It's a yeah, lot. It's not, and, and, and it's clear to me. And I and I watch a couple of the the ends of these games. Um, they miss Weiner. They they really do. They miss Weiner, and, and sometimes they're they're missing shots. And it's Sam Hybe. You you hope that she could have been, and she has been that type of player who, when you're struggling and you're shooting the three, or you can't get into the paint as much as they would like. Um, She's been that player to go and get a bucket for you, but she's had injury problems mm. all year, and you can kind of see that. And you were really hoping that Allison Winder would be that bridge, could be that player, and it's clear that they they miss her. And and I think that it, it just seems like when you get down to the stretch of these games, they turn the ball over, and it's not even just turning the ball over. Against Michigan State, there was a lack of movement. There was a lack of, 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 of just zip, you know what I'm saying? There was a lack of, it just seemed like when Michigan State finally started to hit their shots and their defense was faltering, they they let their defense affect their offense. And it just, it, it was this kind of two-way system that just led to a breakdown and they escaped Michigan State. But it was the same thing with Illinois. Look, giving up 20 points the way that they did, I mean, your defense has to break down, but to not score anything, it's a total meltdown, and it's a letting both sides of the ball affect how you play, and that's exactly what happened, and I think that's a sign of a young team, and I think that's a sign of maybe not being in those situations and not having pressure the way that they have, because last year when they made the tournament, there wasn't really all those expectations. They had such a great season, they made the tournament, and now they return all these players. There's expectations that they will, and I think the pressure is mounting up on them a little bit. Yeah, and and what you'll see from uh, these these next few games, hopefully, uh, will be Jazz Shelley maybe finding the scoring touch. Uh, she did not make a three a three pointer in that game against Illinois, which is very very unlike her. Uh, the Husker women are in action out in Ann Arbor, which is where the men were just uh, just a short while ago earlier this week. 
Uh, that's where they're going to be playing tomorrow. Uh, that game Sunday uh, noon tip off. You'll be able to hear that one on B one hundred seven point three. Uh, right across the hallway here. Um, we are going to finish things up. When we come back, we'll get uh, we'll get you uh, set for the weekend uh, and let you know about the uh, the combine guys and the the second in the world ranking. Where is that from? We'll no tell clear. you. We'll tell Couldn't you right tell after you. this. Kalyan Husker. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Congrats to a few former Husker footballers who are headed to Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine. Travis Vokalek, Trey Palmer, and O'Shawn Mathis. What do all three of those have in common, Matt? All guys Nebraska acquired through the transfer portal ooh, at one ooh. point in their careers. Vokalek was here quite a long, uh, while, I think three seasons. Uh, but Mathis and Palmer, one-year guys, and they're headed to the combine. One guy who's not going to Indy, maybe a snub, maybe not, Garrett Nelson. Absolutely a snub. I thought he was the best player in that defense last year. Hot take. So I, I, I don't think that's a hot take at all. He certainly was more productive than O'Shawn Mathis, but the, the combine's so numbers-driven. It, yeah. And Nelson, he, he's, he's a hard worker. Come, yeah, he's not going to jump off the page in, in testing no. like Mathis he, might. He's not He's not that type of player. Garrett Nelson's the type of player is going to put 110% into every single snap, and I think that you'll see that on his tape, uh, but that's not what the combine is for. you know. But I yeah. think, Garrett, look, Garrett Nelson's going to get an NFL opportunity. I think it'll be insane if he doesn't but congratulations to those three i really think that travis Volkluck is going to make a splash in the nfl he's he's definitely got an opportunity you've seen husker tight ends be able to do that uh latest one is in the super bowl jack stoll uh we'll talk about shortly hey uh this is the this is the 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 the, the second in the world mark uh that i mentioned so it's too bad mr former division one thrower caleb henry's not in the studio because axelina johansson or johansson She's uh, the Swedish shot putter. She's a sophomore here at Nebraska. She set the Nebraska school record uh, with a 63-foot, 4-inch throw earlier okay. this week. Indoor. It's the second farthest ever throw for a college indoor shot putter. And it's the second longest throw in the world at any level in 2023. Wait, she's a sophomore? She's a sophomore. That's crazy. She was the freshman of the year in the Big Ten. That's crazy. She was a bronze medalist uh, for the, the NCAA championships last season as well as a freshman for uh, indoor. Uh, she's legit. That's awesome. Axelina, what a name, too. By the way, uh, men's and women, now I, I don't know how updated this is, but I said this this Monday, men's track and field was number five in the country, women's was 18th, so track and field, killing it. That's how they do. All right, Super Bowl. Unbiased picks. Go first. I, I think that other than quarterback, uh, the Eagles kind of outweigh uh, a lot of what the, the Chiefs have. I think they have better weapons, better offensive line, better D-line, better secondary. I think that Pat Holmes is, is going to make it really tough, but I'm going to take the Eagles. Give me 27-18. to 18. I think everybody on the Chiefs roster has been hearing all of that talk. They're going to take it personally. I brought a Chiefs hat for Giants fan Kenny Larrabee. Chiefs 34, Eagles 23. Fifty-seven point total for Super Bowl Fifty-seven. This guy, another Super Bowl MVP, right there. We we saw what happens when he gets pressure. We saw what happens when he get got pressure in the last Super Bowl. I don't think 